one of these days, I just want to open up the podcast singing like Adele and being like, hello, it's me, and then just go into the main chorus, but today is not that day. I just wanted to say, hi, how are you doing? And then I want to tell you about my guest. So Kelty O'Connor is someone who has always kind of had a foot in the fitness industry. A lot of that is through the influence of her mom and like her mom showed her a lot of the the triumphs of fitness and kind of shaped her direction in how she does her channel um, and taught her a lot of valuable lessons in like as you gain popularity you have to sort of draw your line in the sand but she says it more eloquently than I do and that's why you will go into this episode all fired up and ready to learn about her so thanks for listening hope you enjoy Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So, welcome to episode 62 of the Lifestyle Chase. I'm joined by the very famous Kelty O'Connor. How are you doing today? Good, good. You used the F word right there. Thank you. I'm flattered. What What is life like making a living primarily as an influencer? Well, I I try not to call myself influencer. Nobody I don't nobody that's an influencer word. likes that word, so that's why I was it's just gonna so drop that ball. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> um. So uh, I I don't know. I love. I've always been the creative type, but I've never found a creative outlet until I found film and YouTube and all that. So like, I find it the most inspiring. It's way harder than you would think it'd be, but it's like one of those, like, I think there's so many moments in life that like you grind and work so hard and that satisfying feeling when you get past it, it's like that kind of constantly trace chasing that hard work to satisfaction. So, so for perspective purposes, five years Mm -hmm. ago, what was your life like five years ago? five years ago okay i gotta think like exactly 23 i could be off a year but we're gonna say about like five years so no one's going to be like yeah in this thing um but i went to university at that time i wouldn't have been playing i would have just finished playing college ball so i would have just been a college student i would have been bartending and probably that was around the time i was just getting into fitness i'd say and that world and i think instagram my account i just started then um and that's so i think i was just i was doing instagram but it wasn't a thing back then it was more instagram just launched and then yeah going to school for marketing at the time doing some personal training and then bartending on weekends that would have been me five years ago so if somebody asked you your big hairy audacious goal during that time what would it be see i feel that was the that was a very tough time in my life because that was the first time I didn't have that um, because I grew up my entire life focused on basketball and volleyball. And that's all I knew. And I knew I wanted to go to university and I knew I wanted to get a really good degree. And I think in the back of my mind was always med school. Um, And then when I got into high school, my first few years university, that's what it was. I was med school drawn, just keeping scholarship, all that. And then when I blew up my knee, I just, 
was like lost. And then I realized I didn't want to go to med school. I spent some time in a hospital and realized it's not like Grey's Anatomy. Um, so I didn't want to go that. And so I think that around that, you know, 21 to 24, it was very much, I was just doing fitness and knew I loved it. Um, it was just kind of more of an escape now that I didn't have basketball. And I honestly had no idea. I kind of liked the idea of marketing. It drew me something always drew me to it. I love Nike and Lulu and ads and commercials. Like I always loved the Super Bowl commercials. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but um, I just was kind of dabbling in that world. So honestly, at that time, I think I was crippled because there's probably 30 things I wanted to do, but none that I was streamlined being like, this is my thing. It was just more just experimenting, lack of better terms. So if somebody listening to the podcast they looked up to you and they were like, well, how do I figure out my path? What do I do? Like, what kind of advice would you give them? Mine would be just to try everything and fully try it. Now, like, there's the two things about it. There's like the person who's on a new fad diet, a new career path every week. And you're like, okay, commitment issues. That's one thing. But at the same time, you should always try something and fully try it. Like, give yourself a couple weeks, fully go into it. And see if it like lights you up. And then once you find something that you're just kind of like, I have this like FDS mentality. And that's how I just, that's what I started to do with my life around that time was like, if anything in my life wasn't like FDS, this is absolutely what I want to be doing or who I want to be with or people I want to surround myself where I want to live. I just started cutting it out until I kind of cut it out till the very few siphons being like, this is hundred percent what I want to do. So if you're in your twenties, frick, try everything, like experiment. The worst comes to worst. You throw away a year in your life in your twenties. At least you can be like, wow, I didn't, I actually don't want to be a lawyer versus you being 35 and being like, oh, maybe I should just done that six months in that job or just try that. So I think if there's like something pulling you towards something and you're at that age, like hundred percent go for it. Agreed. So it was the very first job that you had, like just in general. Oh, first? First job. Oh, <laughs> so embarrassing. So embarrassing. I'm going to get called out. Um, so I didn't work at all in like high school or right in college. Like I was blessed as on scholarship and that I worked really hard to get that basketball scholarship. And that was just kind of, I had no time but for school and basketball in high school. So I didn't work in high school, but my first job, the summer of like going to my first and second year i was like okay i'm gonna get a job to fill time and this is when abercrombie fitch was cool okay <laughs> so i was the person that stood at the front of the abercrombie store and like welcomed you in so that was and i got a discount on their clothes so i thought it was the coolest thing on earth <laughs> at the time but well, what was the toughest part about that job because it's got to be like you get like the the excitement of being in the spotlight but there's got to be some drawbacks to that Drawbacks. Was there um, any drawbacks? Was drawbacks there was quite. Uh, no, definitely not. It was more of like a. I don't know if anyone's worked retail. You understand working retail just kind of sucks. Like every you go and set up the display, you fold everything. Just five seconds later, someone's unfolding it, and you're just like trying to be polite, but you actually like. It's a very boring job. Like it's very repetitive. Like no excitement. So for the first like month, it's cool and exciting, and then you're like, oh. Another day of saying, hey, what's going on? And folding clothes. So yeah. just not not for me, not for me. Yeah. Well, the thing about like jobs like that, because you said you've worked retail, you've worked at a bar. Those are two jobs that I've done as well. And I feel like it's kind of attributed to like people skills and stuff. 
What are oh. like three of the most valuable lessons that you've learned from your small jobs like that leading up into what you do now? Okay. I'd say not so much retail because I was just like very little and then I was so young and stupid. Yeah. yeah. Bartending, I was a bartender for years, and I have a firm belief that every single human should work in the service industry. And I know you'll agree for like a steady amount of time, just to first of all, you're going to always be going out to eat. So just to understand how a restaurant works, like, first of all, just and I think it's people skills, like thinking on your feet, like bring out bartending taught me to talk with anyone like it's I'm never uncomfortable in any social situation. Because yeah. you've talked to every person, you've talked to a drunk person, sober person, people that don't want to be there from every walks of life. So I think that's why people should work in the service industry is it just teaches you about people. Um, and it teaches you work ethic, like no tomorrow. Bartending, you go on the weekends to being up till 5 or 6 a.m., not going out with friends. Even though you're out, you're working yeah. just to go to Monday, then you're up at 8 a.m. So they're like... Like I never get jet lag now because I'm so used to just like swapping like that. Um, so it teaches you a different kind of hard work because I find a lot of other things aren't as hard. Like yeah. then you work nine to five, you're like, oh, whatever. And it makes you forever appreciate a dinner. And I know it's like my third would be anytime I go out on a Friday or Saturday, I've been out of the bar for a while. I still am like, oh my God. I have a Friday night off. I can sit and enjoy. And like, you just enjoy the entire, the little things of the restaurant experience. Cause you see how much the waiters had to do, how much the chef had to do for that little bit. So you just like appreciate being served so much more. Yeah. Um, so those are three things I learned from years of grueling bartending. <laughs> I, I agree. Like it's, if nothing else, the amount that you learn about people makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Just that like, you could have a person on a pedestal and then you see them in a bar and you realize that they're just human like everybody else. And it, oh, yeah. it teaches so much because like you get, uh, there's so many different reasons for a person to go to the bar. Sometimes you're celebrating something. Sometimes you're sad about something. Sometimes you just like need to burn off some time and you understand to empathize with people because like everybody's got their, their shit that they got to deal with. Yeah. You almost become a therapist when you're a bartender and on the flip side, you learn to work with everyone because every bartender is different. They're <laughs> they're a different breed always. Yeah. And just different people, even like in as simple as how to respect your bar back to your manager, to all those, and just like how a team works. Totally. In a lot of ways, like it just, like, I think it's the best form of, as you said, teaching people skills in a very high stress situation. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've lived at a few different places. You've lived on the East Coast, right? Yeah, I lived in Halifax for two years. Okay, and then Edmonton, yeah. and then yeah, now so, Toronto. Yep. So. So, what's your favorite place that you've lived so far out of those three, plus anywhere else? Anywhere else? So I get, I actually get this question like, uh, is, "Is this forever home?" And all this. Edmonton will always be like this magical spot to go back to. Like, as cliche as it is, I love going back every three to six months. You do the Cactus Club, you do the Pines, you do Central, you see the same people. It's like coming home, it's like a house party. And after three days, I'm over it. But those three days are like the best three days. Yeah. It's the same old, same old. So Edmonton has a very special place in my heart, but it's definitely not my favorite city. Halifax was so much fun for college. If you're any college students and out there and you just don't, you want to have a college experience in Canada, which is rare in like the States, go out east. 
Um, I fully left college being like, I never want to go back to college, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> I did it. I got it out of my system. Um, and then Toronto is magical in the sense that like it lights a fire under my butt to the point of burnout, but you're around like-minded people. There's so many opportunities. You're guns are blazing. So it's perfect where I'm at right now in my life. I yeah. don't think Toronto will be forever. I've got like some things on the horizon. I've caught my eyes and stuff, but at least in the next while, it's where I'm meant to be. And that's why I came out here. What was the biggest struggle about moving to Toronto for you? Let's say in like the first two months of, of moving there or the two months leading up to moving there. I think the I didn't know two months ahead of time I was going to move there. I had like Ooh. three <laughs> Yeah, it was actually like this time last year, I visited Toronto, came back a week later. And in that week was like, guys, I'm moving to Toronto. And everyone's like, ah, I was like, no, I'm, I'm moving to Toronto. So I moved three weeks later. So I didn't have that much forewarning. Um, but the first two months, I just would say having chronic FOMO in the sense that in Edmonton, you're always chasing, like hoping there's one opportunity to come to you. And so like, whether it be one night out, one person's in town, meet this, you're everything you have to jump on. And then in my first two months, you know, there was different events to go to networking opportunities so much. And I found myself just constantly being out and trying to take on every opportunity, being so scared, this opportunity. And you have to have that. But I went to the point of like, you know, sleeping four hours every night, never being home, never having any care of my mental health, like so many just bad. And then realizing you need to have a bit of routine. And so I just didn't have, I let everyone else's routine like influence mine. So like productivity goes down, your mental health goes down, your physical health. And, but chasing something so just realizing when you're in a city like this or in new york you have to take when there's opportunities go for it but you can't think every opportunity there's nothing else going to happen to the point of burnout like you mm. have to it, it's a tough balance but now after a year i've kind of got that like no one to say no and when to say yes i've got a, a, a bit better now so what are your rules for like setting your personal boundaries to sort of like protect your energy stuff like that the <laughs> uh, um, uh, last three weeks very big uh thing but i um, it's a learning process i think um with just how my life has been in the last year it was just very much you know hoping for this moment for so many years and it happening but it happening kind of an overnight zero to 100 type mentality so it got away from me and so it's i'm now i don't really have advice as much as you just have to know yourself worth and if it's actually worth your time and then learning to when to let go of control and trust other people like i know that was a big thing for me um being a bit of a control freak or just i have such a high work ethic that i'll just do everything and then realizing i can only do so much and so taking on other people hiring out building a team around me and not trying to be such a one woman show um that was I think the biggest thing for me, um, so realizing when it's right to hire or build a team or ask for help, whatever that case may be. Um, other thing is just talking about it. Uh, I was always very close-minded, never wanted to put my problems on anyone. I just never wanted to be open if I was struggling. And just in the last few months with my best friends, my own mother, just like when I'm struggling, just telling them, being like, oh, I'm down. And they just like, I want to help them. They want to help me. So just 
being a bit more vulnerable in that sense. Yeah. And then it's just nice. It, usually they just snap me out of it and they're like, Kelsey, you just need to do this. And you're like, oh yeah, no, that's that simple. Um, so that would be in the last little bit. And then just, I'm still trying to figure it out. But for me right now, just creating those boundaries or just hiring a team and like talking to people about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's important that like that conversation is out there, that people understand that everybody's kind of navigating their boundaries. There's no magical like fairy that knows their boundaries and they're just killing it. Like people are like figuring that out actively every day. And it's a matter of like considering it kind of thing. Well, exactly. Like I'm in, I'm in my twenties. I'm so, and that's half of it. Just realizing I don't have these concrete answers and being open, like just trying to figure yourself out what feels most like you, what feels right. What like, just not to be like cliche, like, Oh, follow the energy and the light. But like, in essence, everything you should do should bring, you know, that sense of like clarity and inspiration and bring more of it into your life. And those are kind of the boundaries. As soon as you start to feel that like draininess or that lump, and then that's, Honestly, you just got to trust your gut and just use some rational thinking and trust your gut. Like, I think we're all just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We're all just wandering through the field, trusting our gut. Like, is this the right gut feeling or was the other right gut feeling? Right? Thing? <laughs> you never know. So I was like, you know what? You, I always say just trust your gut because worst comes to worst. I feel if you don't trust it, you're going to regret not trusting it because you're like, oh, I should have. And if you trusted your gut and it goes wrong, you're like, oh, well, you know what? I trusted my gut and went with myself. So either way, you kind of win. Yeah. Like, so I feel that's just kind of how you have to go about it. What is the moment of personal growth that you were the most scared for? Personal growth. Like something big that like was pivotal in your career or your life, but you were just, you talked yourself out of it. But then talked eventually went, you did it eventually. You were very reluctant. Okay. Well, I guess it, it's actually very symbolic to like this, tomorrow so i guess I'll, I'll say this one um two years ago when i was in halifax i had an opportunity to go to new york for a collaboration and i thought it was going to be my big break i thought it was going to be everything like i thought this was going to make it this is gonna i was doing youtube at the time but it was so small and i was like doing this collaboration is gonna make it all this kind of stuff like i thought this is my big break um and some people in my life who nothing against them. They were just, we're, we weren't meant to be, um, told me it was not a smart decision to go to New York and that I was just, it was a waste of money and yada, but something in my gut told me, I was like, no, no, I have to jump on this. I went there, did it. It didn't feel right when I was in New York. Like I feel did all the stuff and I ended up like never really releasing it. Um, the collaboration, all that kind of stuff, like the details don't really matter, but, uh, coming back but when i was in new york it was the most inspiring you know few days of my entire life because it was so for me for what exactly i knew i wanted to do versus like so long not really wanting to admit what i wanted to do with my life and this is the first step being like no i fully want to go for it and being in new york just seeing so many like-minded people meeting people there and i was like this is what i want to do and i distinctly remember like uh, it's funny. It's in my video. This is why it's ironic. And that comes out tomorrow is I stood on seventh Avenue in New York, looking at this big Nike sign. And I, in that moment was like, wrote down like five goals, like life goals I have. And I just told myself, then I'm just going to everything like tunnel vision, just go after those. Um, so I came back from New York and I had all the footage, just collaboration. I was supposed to send it off. And something in my gut was like, no, 
don't do this. And to this day, I'm really like, it wasn't like racy or anything like that. It was just like, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel right. And I just decided to just go for everything I wanted to go for in that moment. And just those people in my life, I kind of stepped away from, I moved back to Edmonton and I stopped caring what people think and just went completely for these five goals. And ironically, one of them is coming true tomorrow. Um, so that is really, really exciting. Um, but yeah, and like, it's just funny that I thought going to New York, that collab and all that would have been, but to this day, I trusted my gut and by not doing that collaboration, by not going through with it, it led me to what I actually hundred percent wanted to do instead of just like going this, what I thought would make me grow on that. And then the dreams coming true tomorrow. So I guess that would be big. Yeah. And then just stop. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty pumped. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just trying to think the next question, what's your favorite breed of dog? Oh, easy. Well, actually, it's not easy. There's like a three-way tie, <laughs> but it's um, it's a standing joke. My uh, friend group calls me their uh, golden retriever. It's a long story, but uh, so golden retrievers have a little place in my heart because that's like my personality trait. But I love labradoodles, golden doodles. So I think like any of those or a lab. I grew up with a lab and labradoodles. So anything of that mix, that lab, golden doodle, golden retriever, is just there's nothing happier on earth. Like that's all I want in the next five years. One That's of those. Awesome. I am like a big advocate for like dogs in gyms make people stronger. Like whether it's just that dog kind of giving you good energy and motivating you to yeah. do a personal best or whatever. So like the world needs more dogs straight up. It's the best mental health thing. I, I'll preach that. It's why I say it every time. Like you cannot be in a bad, you can be in the worst mood and dog is still going to love you. You can feel ugly. You can feel let down. They're still going to love you as much. And like all they want to do is love you. And like humans do not deserve dogs. Like they're just like a little mental health bundles of joy. I agree. So who are three people in your life that you look up to that's like they're your mentor or just somebody that you want to be more like? I'm going to like, I know in like an hour, go back and be like, oh, I should have said these. But first of all, I got to say my mom. My mom is just like, so much inspiration in my life like uh and this like little things i'm even growing into now like little things i'm so thankful for um that i didn't even realize growing up how blessed i was and little things she's taught me and so every day just want to the message she had in the fitness community i just never realized how powerful it was growing up because i was just around it it was just mom and now realizing like that has been that core that she raised me around is like the entire theme of my channel and why my channel's doing well um and just like little things like i released a full day of eating a week ago and i didn't think anything of it it was just like okay well just people want it and i had comments being like oh my god who raised you and i was like wow i've never realized like how in the diet culture that females are brought up with how my mom didn't even like bring it up like i wasn't even aware of what a diet was till i was like 20. i was like i like just that kind of mentality i brought up in such a healthy relationship with fitness and nutrition and that and so now being able to spread that and that what she was she was so ahead of her time spreading that message in the 80s and 90s when it was just starvation diets um so just like living on her legacy in essence um so she would be the best role model um she'd be one um who would be some others um 
I gotta say the people like the Serena Williams of the world who are just like taking like boundaries that like going past that females never have that you have to look up to that like she's charting her own territories like she's inspiring nations I think the coolest thing was Rogers Cup was here in Toronto um last weekend and to be honest, I didn't think the guys were playing. I thought it was just the girls this weekend and that the guys were next weekend because there's so much footage on females because Serena was here. Yeah. And like obviously everyone else. Like and even though she didn't technically win, but like just to show like what she's been able to do for female sports in that sense. And that just like in terms of diversity in every aspect, like she's just every like and that she's taken the world on her shoulders. Like she's amazing and that she can still perform like that when knowing so many eyes are on her so many expectations like every little thing like she's got to be such a massive role model for like the female movement in so many ways um and then some other ones i'm thinking of just like content creators who i've looked up to is like a casey neistat i've always envisioned who's just the rebel of him i've always admired um as much as like i don't come from a natural rebellious side but i think there's the fine line of rebel of not adhering to the status quo like not breaking laws and like doing what's morally against, but he was always moral, but being like, no, this is wrong. And how much he stand up, he's, he stands up for other creators in the YouTube field. And he's almost like the dad of YouTube and that he didn't break the rules as much. He like broke the ceiling in a lot of ways and like knew what was morally right and fought for that um, in the creator's field and especially this new form of creativity of like your own entrepreneur type creative um so i think i'll forever admire his guts to do that yeah i like those those are good answers so the next question i have for you is because you're female and you're active on social media you're going to get a lot of weirdos coming at you through the dms stuff like that um yeah. what's like the most outrageous thing that you've had happen and like how do you like continue with that coming at you no matter what like it doesn't ever stop does it so like how how do you keep your head strong and like hold strong to your own like self-worth stuff like that <laughs> oh it doesn't stop it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse um so like anyone who's like growing or that's kind of your goal is to have like a youtube following instagram follow, whatever something on social media no you have to build yourself a backbone and like build confidence in yourself before you want to go on there. And that's always my biggest tip. Anyone who's like, I'm nervous to start YouTube, what people are going to say. And I'm like, yeah, no, they're going to say, and they're going to be ruthless. Like they will cut you deep in ways you didn't know. And I'm, I'm lucky. I have a very beyond positive comment section in terms of the world of social media. So I will never want to paint it as like, Oh, what was me? But uh, you just got to become very confident with yourself. And I've learned that, the creeps you gotta laugh at you're just like oh my god you just gotta envision the creepy dude in his basement like all alone you're just like you just have to laugh at them and like try and think of them being like a barstool mean so that's like what i go off with that mentality i was like i just wait for the worst one and i'm gonna post it and then it's just gonna go viral so that's what i think of the creepy dudes but the mean ones i always um anytime i get a really mean comment i um say a little like prayer or just like a moment of silence in essence for the person because i know if anyone took the time of their day to rip me apart they're having a way worse day than i am and they're just taking it out on me they're yeah. trying to build themselves up and i'm just the blogging so i just look at it that way and be like you're suffering um and so i've just 
sometimes it's a little cringe and I'm like, Oh, okay. That cuts deep. But you just got to learn, like you got to keep your emotional capacity for all the nice things. And I'm trying to get better at that instead of the one bad comment, letting it weigh you down all the positive waste all your emotions on that. And like, how unfair is it that these people are writing all these positive things and you choose to focus on the one negative person? Why are you giving them your energy? And so it's not easy doing that um, naturally, but it's just a work in process, a progress. Like I've always just kind of have to go that way. Um, and that's my advice in that sense. Yeah, no, that's a good way to frame it. And it's realistic. Um, next question is, what is the coolest place that you've traveled to? Ever? Yeah. Oh. Coolest. Um, I'm going to have a few different ones. Like New York would be the most inspiring, but that's just because that was more so timing than New York itself. Nothing against New York, but it was just like everything coming together. Um, <laughs> Vegas can be cool for stories, not really Vegas itself. Uh, I think coolest place I ever traveled was Barcelona, Spain. So I think that would have been the coolest place I've ever been. And what stood out to you about Barcelona? Was it memories made or? Yeah, memories and just like, yeah, it was really neat just seeing a completely different culture because it was my first time in Europe. Um, so just the little little cultural differences, like how much they relax, relax and then go, 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 and then relax versus like they can go, go, go way harder us because they like relax a lot more versus like we have this mentality we always have to perform at 100 but because we always think we're performing at 100 we're probably always at like 60 70 yeah. versus i think they're very much like 10 to 100 versus we're constantly like 40 to 60 on the borderline like burning out so um i think and there was memories and then that, that was just cool seeing other culture that's awesome so there's a question that i ask a few of my guests and it's basically in the last seven days if you reflect on like the last week what is one moment that brought you the most joy and made you the most happy? Uh, well, definitely the like lifelong dream coming true tomorrow. Um, so what it was, I guess like to explain it cause it's going to come out. So it's not like it's a secret or anything. Um, when I was staring at that Nike poster, like two years ago, I grew up wearing Nike first basketball shoes, Nike first sports on Nike. My mom was actually sponsored by Nike when she was younger. Um, so we always had Nike clothes in the house. Like it was just such a symbolic thing in my athletic career. Uh, so I've always favored the brand very much. And when I was, it was a very beyond out of this world goal when I stood on in New York and looked up at that. But I told myself, I have a mission that one day I'm going to collaborate with Nike. I'm somehow promoting the idea of like female in sports and that like anyone can be an athlete, anyone can move their body that we just don't have to do weightlifting that like, Fitness is sports, it's athletic, it's just going on work, it's hiking, it's just that joyfulness of fitness and it's almost play, like a kid on the playground is fitness, like that kind of mentality. Um, and I was like, one day I'm going to collaborate with Nike to promote that. I had no idea what, and I was like, hey, what are you, this little girl from Edmonton, like what are you thinking? But at my time I told myself, I was like, no, tunnel vision. And then I was making videos for a long time and in no real direction, but I had this weird hunch um a year and a half ago and i was like oh, i'm gonna make a nike sports bra try on haul and it didn't do that well it but like over time it kind of grew and then uh, a few months ago i got a email from nike uh had to check it with spam a hundred times <laughs> and 
I was like, no, no, this isn't a thing because they've never, they don't collaborate with uh, YouTubers or Instagram or anything of that. It's just kind of professional athletes, uh, models. That's all they've ever done work with. Um, and they wanted to do some kind of project with me. It was a lot of back and forth and a lot of me being like, oh, this isn't actually going to happen. Like they're going to fall through because they'd never done anything with a YouTuber. And then last week, last, it was last Tuesday, I got the final like, oh no, we want this video by this. And it was a very short time frame, Nikki, <laughs> to get the studio done, I won't lie. Um, and went guns blazing, but I'm the like first YouTuber to do a collaboration with Nike and a sponsored video. And so that video comes out tomorrow. So it's kind of it I didn't know how this would happen, but the video is me testing all Nike sports bras against different workouts and different body types, trying them on. And in essence it's the premise of my channel and my mission in life. And Tomorrow it's happening. So that's uh, been a lot of a pinch me moment. That's exciting. That's awesome. And it's cool to see, like, because I've kind of known of you for a while now. Like, you helped me out with the uh, Yeg Fitness Industry Night video. And mm -hmm. just you've been sort of like somebody that most people within fitness have heard of just because of social media that helps. But yeah. uh, just to kind of see everybody in their progress through their careers is pretty exciting. Like, I imagine there's going to be some local Edmonton listeners that are like, oh, I follow her on Instagram. What? She's representing Nike? That's freaking sweet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's like, if that, like, yeah, I'm very proud to represent Edmonton in any sense I can. And like, uh, I always love, I think storytelling is the most powerful medium in the entire world. And uh, I'm so passionate about it. Uh, that's, in essence, all I do on YouTube. <laughs> I tell stories. Um but so I love, I love for that, hearing other people's stories of starting from, as, no, no one should be, you know, uh, punished for a privilege if they got, but there's nothing better than hearing that this person comes from, I'm not saying I even came from nothing, but those are my favorite stories, hearing this person who came from God knows where, nothing, and built this massive thing, and then it just lights a fire under your butt, being like, whoa, what are my excuses, so you just love hearing that, like, true human grind and emotion and all that like those are i love hearing stuff like that from people totally um with your youtube like it kind of surged and got a lot of subscribers pretty fast didn't it uh, no no <laughs> it's, it's one it's one of these things it i'm gonna warn everyone i get this all the time being like people oh my god what's it like your youtube grew so fast i was like no it was five years it's exponential growth is what people don't realize it's like I guess the podcast, we think of like flatline first year, flatline second year, little plump third year, little plump fourth year, skyrocket exponential growth fifth year. So as much as like, yeah, I won't deny it. Like in the last six months, it's been, I blew up. Like I had a video go viral in January and that's what catapulted this all. But the reason I was able to get the growth is I had that one viral video and I was already doing it. I was already putting in the work, the hours the years of unpaid hours of editing, filming, people being like, why the hell are you wasting time? You're getting nothing from it, putting stupid amounts of money towards it. Like, and then the one takes off and I was ready for it. That's the best way to say it. I put in all those years. And so mentally I was ready for it. And not perfectly, like no one's mentally ready to go viral. <laughs> and I was definitely not in the best place, but I just mean more so finding myself and the mission I wanted my channel and like the demographic, all that kind of stuff and the videos that I wanted to be making. Um, so I'd say it was four years of pure grind and then a little serendipity, perfect timing, a lot of luck, grace of 
God, karma, whatever you want to call it, universe. Um, and then that moment happened. And then, yeah. And then since then, it's been a lot of growth. Yeah. And I'm glad that you framed it that way because, like, I'm a big advocate for that too with fitness, with anything. Like, you got to be prepared to play the long game and, like, put in the work. Mm-hmm. And, like, even with this podcast, yeah. like, the podcast doesn't get – it might be, like, 150 listens per episode. But whenever I get, like, a new listener, then they have mm-hmm. now 62 episodes to listen to. And the next time I get a new listener, mm-hmm. like, that's new and they bought into all the episodes, they like the vibe, then that'll be, like – every time it has more growth because of the work that I put in on, on the back end. So yeah, you got exactly. to be patient with your career, with goals, with everything. And it, it's, it's the two ways. It's like, that's such a positive way to think about it. Cause I even know when I used to be doing it, anytime I got a subscriber, cause it was like 10 subscribers a day at the most I would get, I would like sit there and anytime I'd see an update on a new subscriber, I'd be like, in my head, I'd be like, thank you, whoever you are for subscribing. And because it was just, you know, it took like, I think I was only at like 10,000 subscribers within like four years. Um, obviously, like two years were just kind of all over the place. And then it was two years of like really hard work. Um, but no, if you want to play in the long game, I think you should pray you don't get success right away. I think that's actually like the worst thing you can pray for in especially the social media create because it goes like two ways. Um, one, you're just not mentally prepared. You don't have the work ethic. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the expertise. You haven't had the practice. So you just can't maintain it. So that's why people go viral and disappear. And like, I I see it on YouTube, especially like this person will have this one hit and they'll get millions and it's like their first or second video. And everyone's like, Oh, that's so unfair. And I'm like, bless everything that that doesn't happen. Like that's the worst thing I think. Cause then you're just like expected to always have that level and you're going to screw up. So at least like all my screw ups, I'm really bad at it. All that, like I had to learn. Now there's the freaks that come with great, cause they're video editors before. So they come to the platform, but then they're that exactly the work was still there. Like, and also I think no matter what, you're always going to deal with imposter syndrome. So like we were saying before, the hard work, working hard and then getting the goal is so satisfying versus just like suddenly me giving something, you're going to feel so guilty. Cause even if you put in the work, you're still going to have a bit, of imposter syndrome i feel so getting like pure growth right off the start is never pray for it trust me in the youtube social media world virality like don't pray for your first hit like make your mistakes when no one sees them what is the moment when you have felt like you just wanted to get out of the public space like has that ever happened to you where you were just like i want to delete my social media i'm tired of this i'm tired of like just always being out there and everybody knowing about me um, no, in the sense of like, as much as I'm very vulnerable in a lot of ways in social media, I think I was really blessed to have PR training in essence from my mother at a young age. And my mom was always, she was on TV. So I've been on TV since young girl, just like with my mom, cause she was always online, live television, all this. And I didn't realize at a time that my mother was so private, um, about our private life. Like Going out in public, she would wear, and she wasn't famous in any means. She wore sunglasses and hats, and I didn't get it. I was like, why wouldn't you want people to see you and run into you? And I really, even from my first Instagram, like I never put like boyfriends on there or like boyfriend or anything. I never who had dated or anything. And even in YouTube, I never talked about my dating. I'm only put friends in it if they want to have a YouTube channel themselves. And then I'm like, hey, of course, I'm going to help you grow. But like, as much as it's, it's just like kind of a very, very small percent of my life is on there. So I never really feel 
I'm very open, but I don't feel like I have to be open with everything. I think it's really important to have things that are sacred to you. Um, so that's why you don't really see a, a lot about me on social media, if that makes sense. Like yeah. you'll go and then you realize it's just like, yeah, a couple pictures and I'll always be open about my fitness journey and I'll be cruel, like unbelievably vulnerable about that. But that's all I want to be vulnerable about. Um, and so I think you just have to balance. You can be a hundred percent real, but you don't have to show. I think a lot of people, it scares me. I see a lot of younger people being like, Oh, to be real, I have to give a hundred percent of myself on social media. And I think that's really not good for your mental health. I think you have to know what's sacred, what being vulnerable and what being real is, but real doesn't never lie, never be fake, never try and be saying you're not, but you don't have to show every single bit of you. And so I've definitely had burnout. I had, that was just like overwork and that's a different story, but I've never felt like, um, Oh my God, I just wanted to delete my social media. Like yeah. I'm, I'm always kind of good of being like, not, I don't know. Like I spend very little time on Instagram, which a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, but like, I don't like, uh, and I just knowing that like, it's, it's a job. It's always kind of been a job for me. So I've just tried to get better at just like shutting it off. If that makes sense. It's cool. That'll be important for people to understand. Like, you're able to survive that industry because you've drawn your line in the sand. You kind of, you know, where, what is too much to share and you know that you can't just live through the screen of your phone. So that's good. Yeah. Uh And I think it's whatever you're going to put on the internet, whatever it is, um, just, you have to go in with the mentality that you're okay with people ripping it apart and judging it. At the end of the day, people can rip apart my fitness routine and me working out and doing crazy challenges. Like, it's not going to affect me as a human. Like, okay, you're like, Kelty, why didn't you do keto? I'm like, okay, I did it. It's like half humor. Like, it's entertainment. Like, that never versus I, there's people who put their relationship on. And I, if that's you want to, I fully believe in that. Like, I think, like, look how popular The Bachelor is. I get it. But you have to then be okay with having strangers pick apart your relationship. And I know for myself, I'm, I'm not good with that. I'm like awkward even just talking to friends about relationships, let alone the whole world. So yeah, you just have to figure out what you're okay with people ripping apart. And if you're not okay with it, do not put it online. That's, that's good advice for anybody. It's going to go <laughs> to the last question that I ask all of my guests. And yeah. it is, if you had one piece of advice on living your life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? I wish I could say it politely in one sentence, but it's going to be a run-on sentence. Um, so kind of my theme behind my channel, as much as it seems like a fitness channel, humor channel, health, whatever it is, the biggest premise is behind kind of two concepts. It's like feeling like you're a kid and that lightness in your life. And I think at the end of the day, everything you should do should give you that joyfulness of a kid. And I think we should never let that die. The, I think there's that cliche someone told me just a couple of weeks ago. I remember them saying it was like, I'm going to get this wrong and backwards, but you know what I mean? We don't grow up. What's it? We don't grow up because we stop playing. We stop playing. No, we don't stop playing because we grow up. We grow up because we stop playing. And I think like that, whether you take that into your job, into your relationships, into your friendships, into your fitness, into your just the day to life, day life is like, you should always have that playfulness. Like you should surround yourself with that energy. The people in your life, you when you leave them, they should make you feel lit up. Like my best friends, every time I'm with them, I'm in the moment. I'm with them. I feel brought up. And so that's why they're so important. We, I feel like a kid playing whenever we're doing that. My fitness 
my job. Yeah, it's really hard work and there's adult struggles, but we should all feel like kids with adult responsibilities and a bit more maturity. And I think that's like the most important thing you can do with all aspects of your life. I like that. That's good advice. So thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for listening. Your support means the world to me. My challenge for you today is it's going to be about gratitude. I have to do it. I'm sorry. I'm going to make you think of five things that make your life what it is. Think about it as five things that you've had access to within the week or that you get every day that maybe you take for granted. Write them down. Remind yourself of them. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your siblings, your dog. It could be that you get to work out. It could be that you have a roof over your head. It's little things. They add up. And that's what kind of puts you in a good, positive place. That's what I'm all about. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends.